Hi there, welcome to our podcast for College Catholics where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Patrick Wainwright, and today I welcome Father Matthew Maxwell to speak a little bit about what is the grace of God and uh, how without the grace of God we can do nothing, as our Lord said in the Gospel. Father Matthew is a priest of Minas Christi, ordained November 2020 here in Detroit, and has been living in our community in Detroit, working on our different apostolates, preaching retreats, spiritual exercises, offering spiritual direction, and leading several faith formation groups. How are you doing, Father Matthew? What's going on? Hi, Father. Not much. Good to be back here. Always enjoy being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for volunteering your time and uh, effort and knowledge with us. That's sure, great. It's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. And last time we spoke about the Divine Liturgy, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. next episode, hopefully, we'll be speaking about the seven sacraments in the Church. So there's Perfect. always something that we talk about, and when we talk about the liturgy, we talk about the grace of God coming to us, and mm-hmm. when we talk about the sacraments, we talk about, say that they are channels of grace. Right. You know, so we should understand what the grace of God is. So right. what's your insight in that sense? What is the grace of God? Are there types of graces? Are there different graces? And in what sense are they? is that important? Why is it important for us? So that's a good topic for us to to address and to help college students understand better. Sure, to have a little bit of clarity on that. Well, if we start with, and this is something that I always like doing, maybe people can tell by now, but if we start with a definition, right? Well, what is, what is grace and what that is the church? That sounds like a very uh, <laughs> philosophical mindset. Yeah, yeah it's a little bit. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I did go to a place called Thomas Aquinas College, so I guess. Anyways. Oh, good. <laughs> California. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, anyways. Great books program. Yep, that's exactly what it is. There's a, here's a new vocation from the TAC. Awesome. <laughs> cool. So, anyways, perhaps that's just my uh, MO, as we say, right? Right. right. <laughs> my way of, of operating so to speak, but the definition, what the church teaches grace is in and of itself is a participation in the divine nature, a participation, or another way of putting it, a participation in the life of God. So that's a a sort of, we would say nebulous concept, right? Something that's a little bit hard to wrap our minds around, Mm -hmm. but it is interesting to note first off that, okay, grace isn't some like um, I don't know, thing that this, this object, right. That God like hands over to us. And then we have inside of ourselves and now he doesn't have it. Or I don't know, something like that. Like some dollars. Right. Our, exactly. Our, now some I cash have, in our pocket. Right. Exactly. And it's definitely not something that we can even quantify. You know, it's not like after going to mass, now I have 11 instead of 10 right. of grace. Um, but it is uh, a sharing in that life that God has, that divine life, that supernatural life. And it, it's something that we really have within us. And so it's a, it's a superior way, so to speak, of, uh, of existing, of being, of being able mm-hmm. to act as well, that we now have within us, uh, not because of ourselves, but because we share it with God has given us a share of, of what he is, right? Um, and so that's what grace is, uh, that's the definition and the nature of grace. So that would be actually what we call sanctifying grace, right? Yeah. Sanctifying yeah. grace. And I think uh, St. Peter speaks about it uh, in his second letter. Here I have the uh, quote of St. Peter, Second Peter or 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 4. He says that God has bestowed on us the precious and very great promises so that through them, you may come to share in the divine nature after escaping from the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. So, in a sense, he says, we 
participate, we share in the divine nature. So we could say that this uh, grace of God, sanctifying grace, mm -hmm. is like a divine resemblance, something through which we begin to look spiritually more like God. Mm -hmm. And that life uh, gives us the life of God in us. So in a sense, we could say that it is like the life of God running through our veins, or more so, is like the resemblance that we have to our parents, right? Mm -hmm, so I right. always think, okay, we're children of our parents, so there's something in me that is not my parents, and that is not a thing, but at the same time, it's something that makes me look like them. So, right. so right. those characteristics make me resemble my parents in, in the same way that the grace of God now, spiritually, supernaturally, makes me resemble God in a way that I didn't before my baptism. Right, exactly. And interesting to note there, is that the grace that makes us resemble God is something that totally elevates us, right? Because it, it gives us now a new superior way uh, of living. Unlike perhaps we would say when we look like or, or, or share in some attribute of our parents, it's still on a human level. Right, natural level. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, but in this way, it's an incredible gift that helps us to uh, think uh, so to speak, right, in, in a way similar to God or to look at things, as you were saying, right, in a way similar to God, how God looks at things or to want in a way similar to how God wants. Right, and enable, enables us to truly have faith, hope, and love or charity, right? right? So exactly. without the grace of God, we, could, we couldn't do anything of value for the supernatural life or eternal life. So it makes enables us to merit things for heaven. So if I do a good work and I'm not in the state of grace, that's just a good work. Right. If I do a good work and I'm in the state of grace, then that good work earns me a treasure in heaven, right. which it didn't otherwise. Right. Yep. Exactly. And is that the only grace or is there other types of graces? So we, we typically distinguish between sanctifying grace, um, which we were just explaining, and then also something called actual grace, uh -huh. right? And so actual graces would be all of those different aids and helps and whatnot that God gives us, right, in, at any moment of our life in order to impulse us uh, in our spiritual life, in our life with him, in our friendship with him. So it's like a push. Right, exactly. Um, and there's obviously a myriad of different ways that God can do this. It's not right. relegated to just one thing. It's not just those like aha moments or inspirations. Um, it could also be tugs at our heart, right? right? Or things that help us to go deeper into the truths of the faith or anything like that, right? Is So now just a clarification there, because I always had trouble, especially with the English language mm -hmm. and the word actual, Right. So, actual for our English language, like daily in the world, let's say, means real. Right. Kind of. Yeah. This is right. an actual cup. Okay. It's, that means it's a. <laughs> it's not a avatar. It's not a, a digital cup. It's a real, actual cup. Right. As opposed to all those fake cups out there. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So instead, actual grace does not mean real grace. Right. It right. means that is a, a grace that acts. Mm -hmm. That yes. is kind of God with his finger pushing me to think something or to want something mm -hmm. or to do something that otherwise I couldn't do. Right. And, and the reason why 
um, we would use that terminology to distinguish it from what we were talking about sanctifying grace is because sanctifying grace helps us to be something, right? right. To, to have stable. God's life within us, right? Exactly. So it's a way of, uh, of participating in that. And then actual grace is aimed at helping us then to act in certain ways right. and not just be that but to follow up with that with different ways of, uh, of doing things. Right. So an example of actual grace would be, for, for example, today, I had to come to the studio here and <laughs> record with you, and I was com feeling completely sick, <laughs> like totally sick. I couldn't do anything. And when the time came, I had to delay it a little bit. But now here we are recording <laughs> it by the grace of God. <laughs> like an actual grace. He moved you. <laughs> right, right. And I can be a little bit in a good humor as opposed to one hour ago right exactly <laughs> I couldn't do a, anything i couldn't get out of bed or something or perhaps you're bilocating and you're actually right. still in your room and that would be a different kind of actual grace perhaps right right right, right. that's actually <laughs> incredible right <laughs> different level right right a little bit extra okay, very good well so we have sanctifying grace mm -hmm. as uh something that is stable in me like the color of my hair let's say right and uh my height uh, but in in a spiritual sense right it gives me a participation in god's divine grace and divine, sorry, in divine nature, uh, and then actual graces that are like a push or an inspiration or a strength that God gives me to think some way, to to do something that is right, to say something that is good, and uh, leads me, and that also leads me to grow spiritually, right? So, for exactly. example, if I'm without the grace of God, and I am for some reason in, in mortal sin, the grace of God the actual grace of God could move me to go to confession. Mm -hmm. And that's right. a, a thing, is right. a thing, right? Yeah, exactly. That's a, it's a very important thing. It's interesting that the person, uh, as, as we know, right, the person who's in that state of mortal sin, uh, at that point, what's happened is that he doesn't have sanctifying grace, right? Right. He's lost that, uh, that union with God through grace of that sort, but God's actual grace can still move us to go back to confession, to recover, to regain that sanctifying grace. Very good. And how do we receive sanctifying grace? How can we lose it? And why is it important to have sanctifying grace? Right. So sanctifying grace. Um, well, I would, let's start with the, the last one, actually. Why is it important? Well, it's important because that's the basis of our life with God. We know that we're called to union with God, to a friendship with God. And the only way that that, that can happen Think of um, your own best friend, right? Obviously, there has to be a sharing of some sort of common things, right? And while if we look at us and we look at God, we notice that, well, we're creatures and, and he's the creator. We're on two totally different levels. And so it's difficult, actually impossible in that sense to speak of being on the same level in any sense. With God. But with God, right? Yeah, exactly. And so if we're going to have a friendship or a union with God, Something, we're going to have to receive something that raises us up to that level in some way. And so that's what sanctifying grace does. It gives us that way of being able to relate to God in a certain sense on his level, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. He participates a bit of himself, uh, share in his own life to be able to do that. Right. And also from a very, very practical way, if you want, um, without this, without sanctifying grace, we cannot be saved. Right. We yeah. cannot enter heaven. So. All of you out there who are not in the state of grace, try to be in the state of grace <laughs> soon so that it can be saved. You know, when if it happens that we 
the moment comes to end our life, right? right? We need to be in the state of grace to be saved and to enter heaven. Exactly. And that life of grace starts obviously with baptism, which is the first time when our soul is given that sanct- that, that share in God's life and that sanctifying grace. We're and given that's because that. of original sin. We're born, we're conceived in the womb of our mothers without that state of grace. Exactly. So we receive it through baptism. We receive it through baptism. Um, to answer another one of your questions, well, can it be lost? Yes, unfortunately, it can be lost. And how? Well, through sin. Now, there's something there that is interesting that, okay, well, sin is actually the only thing that can cause us to lose it. So first of all, it means that that's going to be my primary enemy, so to speak, right? The primary thing that I want to avoid in my life because it's the only thing that can actually take away are my choices that gravely offend God. So mortal sin, mortal right? sin, mortal sin to, and to that's clarify. why it's called mortal because we lose the grace of God. We lose the life of God. It's in us. deadly on a spiritual level. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we'll take, but you know, that's also in a certain sense for those of us who really are striving to avoid any kind of mortal sin. It's also reassuring because that means that nothing else can actually separate me from God. Right. So crosses, those don't take away my sanctifying grace. As a matter of fact, those can, they can actually help me to, to grow wow. in that. Um, or emotional ups and downs, a bad day, bad moods, and anything like that, that we view as being negative um, on a deeper spiritual level, it, it isn't necessarily. Right. It won't separate me from God unless I allow those things to move me to make choices of um, grave offenses against God, mortal sins, right? right like St. Paul says, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ right. unless I choose to do it, right? right? So exactly. persecutions, um, beatings, uh, martyrdom, stoned, death, everything. None of those things. Shipwrecks. Can, right. Nothing can through. take me away from the, from, the, from the grace of God. Right, right, exactly. So that's where the sacraments come in and the importance of receiving them, right? Right, exactly. Because then what, actually there's a, a beautiful, if I can um, reference St. Thomas here, there's a beautiful analogy with the life of grace because since it is the life of God within us, it's almost as if the Christian lives... Uh, simultaneously, harmoniously, two kinds of life on two different levels at the same time, one on a natural level. Mm -hmm. And we know that our natural life has its different ways of going about laws and things like that, that we have to follow. And so in order to, in, in order for life to come about, okay, there's generation and then we're born. And then in order for our life to develop, we know that we need to do things like eat, and sleep right. and all this. And, and when that life is harmed in some way, we know that we can run to the doctor, all these kinds of things that go towards helping us to live a normal human life, right? We follow certain laws. And St. Thomas says, well, something similar and an, an analogy happens in our supernatural life. And so while our life does start with baptism, all of the other sacraments, which as you mentioned at the beginning, are those channels of grace, mm-hmm. how we receive grace and can grow in it. Um, all of the other sacraments come into play a role in helping uh, develop, uh, unravel, grow, and heal that life of grace within us as we go through life, right? Right. And so um, you have most notably, obviously, the well confirmation, I guess, right after baptism, which is a, a sort of stepping up, if you will, a maturity in our life mm-hmm. of grace and our life with God. Then you have the sacrament of confession, which helps to heal us and bring back that grace. If for some reason we lose it or it's wounded, mm-hmm. 
We have the Eucharist, which is the most beautiful sacrament aimed at uh, helping to intensify that life of grace, aimed at charity, that life with God, and, and really helping to augment it, right? Um, and then the 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 what we would call the social sacraments, right? The sacrament of holy orders and the sacrament of matrimony aimed at helping us to live those lives of grace in our state in life, in our particular state that we've been called to. Right. Um, and then finally, um, we have the anointing of the sick to help us in that very natural aspect of, okay, once our life has, is coming to in danger or coming to an end to help us to make that passage from this life to the next. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, w- thank you so much for, for sharing all that. Why don't you, do you have any anecdote of grace, <laughs> grace. In, in your grace. priestly grace life? In, you know, how in any ways that you've noticed the grace of God more powerfully, <laughs> you know, doing this year grace, and a half. God's grace acts. That's, that's the, I mean, that would be the way of summing it up, right? I remember... I can't remember if someone told me this after the uh, before I had experienced it myself or after the fact, but I will corroborate that it's true in the life of a priest that God acts and in ways that you don't expect. Mm-hmm. And one thing most notable is that sometimes you say things and then you step back and you're like, where did that come from? And then right. you yourself get a chance to analyze what you just said and, and you learn from it. And you're like, okay, hey, I didn't come up with that. And like, God's actually saying something to that person, but then it actually like ends up turning back around and helping me. And I realized that's really good. you know, analogies will come up when you're trying to help people or just different, um, different ways of explaining things to people or the particular thing that they need to hear at that moment that you don't know why, but you said it and then they needed it. Right. Um, so that's definitely a very concrete way in which God's grace acts um, in the priesthood, especially, I would say. Right. So that would be maybe applicable to the sacrament of confession or homilies where you're saying mass. Yeah. And- Even my formation group. I remember one, very specifically one time in a formation group talking about something and they asked me more in particular. I didn't know. I did not know what to say to explain the particular truth. We were talking about God's providence and how sometimes he says no when we ask for something. And all of a sudden I just said, well, you know, guys, it's like when um, it's like when a father, uh, a son goes up to a father and asks him to, to go out and get an ice cream on a Saturday, um, perhaps on the Friday before. And the dad, has, the dad says no. And the, the son is disappointed. But what the son doesn't know is that the father actually has a whole trip planned for the weekend, right? Something even better. Uh, And so that's why he has to say no in that case. Um, And I had never imagined that analogy or even thought of it, but it just came out. And then when the more I thought about it, I was like, that's, I really like that one. That's a nice analogy, (laughs) applicable to me also. (laughs) Right, exactly. So Very good. Well, thank you very much, Father, for sharing all these uh, examples and wisdom with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, yeah, and God willing, next time we'll talk about the sacraments briefly. Sounds good. Um, and to all who are listening, thank you for sharing your time with us today. If you like this content, please make sure to share with your friends. Maybe leave a review on Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify. Thanks for listening. May God bless you, and we will see you next time.